Good afternoon. How are you? Say blessed. We are blessed. Okay, this is the second episode, and we're just hoping everything's going to work out. (laughs) Okay, so those of you who are on YouTube, you can uh, uh, put the questions in that here on there, and I'll be able to see what's going on, and I'll be able to answer those questions as they come. And then um, we will answer your questions as always, but the first thing we want to do is pray. So let's pray in the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, thank you for hearing us. We know that you always hear us. But as we come into your presence, we just acknowledge that we are never alone, that you are always with us through the gift of your Holy Spirit. We beg you, Father, that your Spirit would take complete control of us, that you would set us on fire and people would want to come to watch us burn, that we would point everybody we know always to you, Father, They will always look at you because we want to please you in everything we do. Father, we beg you these things this day. In Jesus, your only son's name, amen. Mary, mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good Saint Joseph, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. It's good that you're here. Just a couple things as we uh, continue Know that you have to go to the podcast. We have a separate entity now for Anchored in Hope than my regular podcast, which is on uh, just Father Larry Richards, and that's all my homilies and everything. They suggested that we do a separate thing for here. So if you... uh If you have Podbean, if not, it's a free download. You can get Podbean, but you have to put in Anchored in Hope with Father Larry Richards, and then you just uh, follow that there, and then every time I do something, it'll come up. Um, But everybody last week, even people on my board were calling and saying, hey, Father, uh, where's the podcast? I says, well, it's on there. And they go, it's not on there. And I go, then I had to come ask my staff, uh, where's our podcast? Oh, we started a new one on Anchored in Hope. And I says, Okay, so that's just what you got to do. You can, of course, uh, that's if you just want to listen to it. Those of you watching will, again, will just stay here on uh, um, YouTube. And then this is where all the questions that'll come. Also, you can go to my website that uh, the parish right now, until we get our own, we're going to have a, our own um, email set up, but they haven't set it up yet. But if you go to my parish website, it's stjoesbol.org, stjoesbol.org, stjoesbol.org. And you sit there and say, meet Father Larry. And it says, email Father Larry. And if you email Father Larry, any kind of question, it'll come to me and it goes directly to me. And so I'll bring those up. Like these are all the emails just from last week. And so uh, we'll bring them up and get through them as many as we can. And we'll also try to get through as many as we can uh, that come on here. And so, and then I'm going to be, I also want some kind of, uh, I want you to give, I want plenty of comments. Like, what do you think of the intro? What do you think of the uh, 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 outro? What do you think of our our, what we, our studio, what do you think about all the stuff we're doing? Because we're just learning and I'm very open to doing different things. It's going to, uh, 
that's gonna help you get a good experience out of this. Another thing is I want you to give me some other type of times because there's only, like right now, there's 43 people that are watching. And it's because it's the middle of the day, but I purposely did this to cover over from when we went from EWTM. But I'd like to be able to do it where we have more people to watch live. Like last year, last week, we had over 2,500 people that watched afterwards, but live, you know, 50 people or whatever. So uh, for a call-in or a talk show like this, we want the people, more people to have live. So it would be better during the week. Would it be better on the weekend? Would it be better enough to watch when my parishes and different things? So those are the kind of comments that I'd like you to put in. Everybody has an opinion and you're welcome to do that. Just don't be nasty. That's <laughs> all I ask, you know, so, but do all that kind of stuff and we'll, uh, we'll start forming this about uh, what we're doing. The first speaker I'm going to have for uh, when I start interviewing is Dr. Ray Garendi himself. Oh, my. And I figured I'd bring him on because he owes me since I've been on his uh, show all these years. But also, I figured he'd be able to, if I mess up really bad, <laughs> he won't mind. If I bring anybody else in, they might mind. So let's start with, before I go to the chat, let's go... Um, here and start with some of the questions that came in. Why does it seem like a church we don't have make time for making fitting Thanksgiving after receiving Holy Communion or even after Mass? I know it's hard with parents and little ones. Can you elaborate more on this for the viewers? Well, at my parish, I always take time for that. That's why I always say, uh, okay, have a seat, sit back, and let Jesus hold you. And that's what we do every week. You can watch, you know, I'm always online. Our daily masses are all on YouTube at this station. So you can see how we do that. Some parishes, I don't know why they don't do it, but we're supposed to always have time for silence. But again, you got to remember that mass is not just about me and Jesus. Mass is always about us as a family. Uh, because sometimes people want to make mass about me and Jesus. But you can be me and Jesus in front of the Blessed Sacrament at, uh, at your parish at adoration. But you got to go deeper than that. It's more than just me and Jesus. It's always us. So that's why we're a family. So you don't have to get too concerned, but they should have it in. But you got to remember that mass is never just about me and my Jesus. It's always about us and our Jesus. We are a family. And that's what we always have to remember at the Mass. Jesus at the first Mass says, all people know you're my disciples because you love one another. So we should be able to be showing love at communion, love of God, love of others. We don't separate them because God doesn't. He says, if you say you love God and you hate your brother, he says you're a liar. So we got to be doing this together. But I completely agree with you. So now we'll go back. I'm going to go back and forth. So we'll do one from here and one from online. Okay. Why, if I could be excommunicated by assisting an abortion in any way? Yes. Why? Because you're, uh, if that's the question, it's because if you uh, kill a baby, of course you'd be excommunicated. You have to know excommunication is part of the, you know, uh, you can't be excommunicated without knowing you can be excommunicated. It's kind of like committing a mortal sin. You have to have serious matter, full knowledge, full consent. So you have to know that it's uh, that you'd be excommunicated by doing that. You know that because I just told you. So you, you would be. But again, the worst evil in the world today is abortion, period. And so if you're helping anybody do that in any way, um, you're helping killing you're helping to kill a human being. So that's why it's automatic excommunication. 
if you have one or if you help someone. Now, again, we are here to bring mercy to people who have had it. This is not to make you feel horrible, those who have had abortions. In fact, what you need to do if you've had an abortion, you got to confess it. you got to repent. you got to ask God if he gave you a boy or a girl. And then you name your then you name your sons and your your son or your daughter, and then you have to reach into heaven and ask them by name for forgiveness, and then you'll finally have some peace about all this. Um, but you still got to make peace. Where we put a period, God puts a comma. These children don't just cease to exist. Of course, they go to heaven. But when we kill our children, I'm just convinced that's why our nation is so messed up is because we have a nation that believes we can kill our children for someone's personal uh, preference. They don't want to be bothered. Now, and I get the other side. Of course, I'm not here to sit there and, you know, tell everybody they're evil. I am here to try to save babies. That's what we got to be doing. Again, it's the most evil there is. That's why someone is excommunicated if they help someone have an abortion. Okay. How can I have true repentance for sin that I know in my weakness I will commit again? Because just because you know, you you can't say, I I know I'm going to do that. Because you say every time you go to confession, I firmly resolve with the help of your grace to sin no more and to avoid the narrow occasions of sin. So you got to have the intention, I'm not going to do this anymore. Now, in your weakness, you may fall, but you can't already say, well, I'm going to try. That doesn't cut. You got to say, I'm done by the grace of God with this. And some one day when you say, I'm done by the grace of God with this, it will be the time you're done with the grace of God. It could be this time, you know, with God's grace. Again, I think what we're doing is we focus on our weakness instead of the power of almighty God. God lives inside of you. God can deal with all your temptation. God can deal with all your sin. So if you just try to deal with temptation yourself, you're going to fall, period. You got to let Jesus take control. So always invite him into every temptation. And then you're victorious. But if you just try to rely under your own power, of course you're going to fall. What do you expect? We're very human beings. We need the grace of God and we need the power of God and we need the spirit of the living God inside of us. So focus on God, not yourself, and you'll become more victorious. And then you'll really be able to say, I firmly resolve with the help of your grace to sin no more. That's what you're saying. That's what you got to mean. Okay. Do to do Rusty Soccer. Rusty at Rusty, yeah, Soccer says it's uh, really stuck with me when you mentioned last week about there being a problem if you find out Jesus is coming and you're afraid of uh, if you're instead of being excited. I've always struggled with fear of suffering and death. Do you have any practical suggestions on how to work through this fear? You got to spend time with Jesus. It's the only way, you know is when you come and you let God hold you every day. Remember I talked about it last week, the best way to pray, uh, breathe the Holy Spirit, say, I'm sorry, I surrender, hold me. And then end your prayer with the Lord's Prayer. With Jesus, saying it with Jesus. Don't just go and through the, uh, say the Lord's Prayer, but let Jesus lead you in that. So if you take that five minutes a day, I'm sorry, one minute I surrender, one minute I uh, hold me three minutes. And you take those five minutes every day and you do that, you're going to come to not be afraid of God anymore. 
you're going to get close to him. Now, we're still going to have the awe of God, which is the fear of the Lord, more than ever. But fear of dying and suffering has nothing to do with fear of God. It has to do with your own fear. And that's not of God. When you talk about the fear of the Lord, which is this awe, this respect, you know, like if you were close to your father and you still are, you love your father, but you shouldn't always be afraid of your father. You should be in awe of your dad and respect of your dad, that he's your dad. And the same with God. God's the creator of everything. And we need to be in awe of him, but we should not be afraid of him. You know, there's two entirely different things. And like I talked a little bit last week, you can always tell people who are afraid of God in a, in a bad way because they're very negative and they judge everybody else because they think that this is what God does to them. And so that's what they're going to do to everybody else. But once a person comes to experience the love of God in their own life, then that's what they'll bring to other people. And that's why it's so important. Praying is more important than breathing, as I've said a million times. Praying is more important than breathing. Praying is more important than breathing. And when you pray, like if you went to Mass today, I talked about this morning, and again, you can look, look at the homily from today. I talked about you must listen. God says you must listen. You must listen. And so when you're listening to God every day, instead of just saying your prayers, then you're entering into relationship. And as you enter into relationship with God, then the fear can go away. But if you just say a bunch of prayers to a God who may or may not be there, you know, you can be an atheist in your heart and still say prayers every day, just in case. You need to be in relationship with God where you let God hold you every day and the fear will become less and less and less. Because as St. John says, perfect love casts out fear. So the prayer that I have made every day that I have been ordained a priest, it'll be 32 years this April, is when I hold up Jesus in the blessed sacrament, I say the same prayer. Increase my love for you and for your people and forgive me my sins. Because it's the most, traditionally the most powerful moment of prayer is when the priest holds up the Eucharist because that's the perfect offering of Jesus to his Father. That's the most perfect offering and time there is in all the universe. When God offers himself to God the Father, when Jesus who is God offers himself to God the Father, it's the most perfect prayer. And so that is the time where you make the prayers. Now, again, we can say prayers for, okay, give me what I want. Or we can say prayers that I want to do what you want. So when God says, we shall love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and all our strength, and we must love other people as Jesus loved us according to his commandment, then that's what the, I'm going to always ask God. Increase my love for you because I want to love God above all things. And then increase my love for your people. And for my own personal thing, it's easier for me to love God than it is to love people. <laughs> it's just because, because, not because of the people, because of me, you know, because of all my issues, you know. But so I'm a constantly for 31 years, soon to be 32 years, ask God every day, every day, every day, increase my love for you and your people, increase my love for you and your people, increase my love for you and your people. So you can do that and great things can happen. So there you go. Okay, I need to help some advice on below topics. Do, 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 do. Many of my relatives who are all Catholics have now left the church and follow lay ministers and even started churches in their own homes or are on the ground that we worship idols whereas the Bible says not to. We pray and give too much importance to Mother Mary. Okay, first of all, 
that the way you get people back to the church is you, I always put people in the Blessed Mother's arms. And so like when you say the rosary and that, you put their name in there. You don't fight with them because that ain't going to work. You just put them in God's because only one that can bring them home is God. So that's the first thing is you pray for them, pray for them, pray for them, love them, and then share with them. They can take those things and say that we pray to Mary and that way she becomes an idol. And I always say, as uh, the Louis de Montfort said, St. Louis de Montfort, he says, don't ever worry that you're going to love Mary too much because you'll never love her more than Jesus loved her. And again, what I always talk about when it comes, like if I do a wedding, I always explain why we believe in Mary, not like believe in Mary, by why we go to her and ask her for her intercession and prayers. And I always say, Mary is like a pair of glasses. These are my cheater glasses. We don't get stuck on the glasses. We look through the glasses to see things better. So when we put Mary on and we pray to her or really uh, talk to her, we're asking that we can see Jesus better because nobody looked at Jesus more than his mother. The second thing is that Mary, we believe, is alive because Jesus said, God is the God of the living, not of the dead. So everyone is all is alive in him. So just like you can come to me and say, hey, Father, can you pray for me? I can pray for you. Father, can you give me 50 bucks? If I had 50 bucks, I can give you 50 bucks. Am I taking the place of God? Nope, I am just the instrument of God, but it's all God's power. So Mary's alive and we can go to her and say, Mary, can you pray for me? Of course she can. Mary, can you do things for me? Of course, she's not taking the place of God. She's just leading us to God. The last gift that God ever gave us on the cross was his mother. He said, behold your mother. And he says it to St. John. And St. John always represents the whole church in the gospel of St. John. And then it says, John took Mary into his care. So we need to take Mary into our care. The other thing with Mary is I say, if you don't need Mary or if you reject Mary, you're like spitting on the cross of Jesus Christ and you're saying, Jesus, pah, I don't want her. Keep your last and greatest gift to me. I don't want her. I don't need her. It's just me and you. And you reject the last gift of Jesus Christ. Another thing is Jesus, who is God, needed Mary. He needed her to say yes by the divine will. She could have said no to God's will. He needed her to say yes. And then in his humanity, he needed her to keep him alive. He needed her to feed him. He needed her to change his diaper. He needed her to teach him how to walk. So if Jesus, who is God, needed Mary, how can any of us say we don't need her? If we do, we make ourselves greater than Jesus Christ. And we are in the body of Christ, one body with Christ. And so if Mary's the mother of Jesus, she's the mother of us because we are one with Jesus. So those are things that can help you explain why we have devotion to Our Lady. She is not part of God any more than the rest of us are part of God. We don't worship her. We pray with her and ask her to pray with us. So I hope that helps answer your question. Okay, so let's go on here. Father Larry, my earthly pa father passed away on March 5th. Sorry about that. Well, we will pray for him. Can you provide some guidance on prayers I should be praying for him? First of all, know that your father isn't dead. He's alive. I always tell people when I'm doing a funeral, get to know your father as he is now. Don't just cling to him as he was because life is changed, not ended. We, take, we talk about in the, the funeral liturgy, life is changed, not ended. My father died now 
38 years ago, I think, 37, 38 years ago. And I often say I'm closer to my dad today than I was 38 years ago. Why? Because before I had to go see my dad, I had to go uh, call him on the phone. Now all I have to do is think of him. You know, whenever you go to communion, it's not just communion with Jesus. It's communion with everybody in Jesus. So when you receive communion, you become intimate not only with Jesus, but intimate with your father. That's just the reality. And so, but if you're concerned about where he's at in that, the best thing to do is say the Divine Mercy Chaplet for him. And again, use his name. So I often do this, I say the Divine Mercy Chaplet every morning, first prayer I pray every morning. And so I'll put different people's names in as I've talked before, but you can very just simply say, uh, Eternal Father, I offer you the body, blood, soul, and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, an atonement for my Father's sins and those of the whole world. And then on each little bead, because of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on my dad and on the whole world. Because of my sorrowful passion, have mercy on my dad and on the whole world. And the great thing about the Divine Mercy Chaplet is it's not looking at us and it's not looking at our merits. It's not looking at your dad and it's not looking at his merits. It's looking at Jesus and what he did on the cross. So you're looking at God the Father and you're saying, because of what Jesus did on the cross for me, because of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on me or have mercy on my dad and on the whole world. How can God the Father say no to that? Think about it. You're bringing what Jesus did to prove the love of his, to his Father. You're bringing that, and you're bringing that to the Father, and you're bringing your dad with that. It's one of the greatest things you can do. So never despair. Know that you're intimate with your Father now more than you could ever be before. Get to know him as he is now. Know that love doesn't end when a person dies. If you think he loved you before, think about how much he loves you now, that he has been redeemed by the grace of Almighty God. If you think that he did things for you before, think about how much he can do for you now that he sees the face of God. So don't despair. You can pray for him, and he will be praying for you. Okay? hope that helps. Okay, let's see here. What else do we got? I didn't go through these, so I have to make sure that nothing bad here uh, happens here. Okay. The first question deals with carrying your cross daily. Does this apply to the seven daily sins or sins in general? No, carrying your cross is not about sin. Carrying your cross, I mean, that's the whole thing. People see that there's sin. Even when Paul says, I asked Jesus to get rid of this three times, and he says, my grace is sufficient to you. If you put it in the context of the, that chapter, it wasn't about sin that he was struggling with. It was a, an ailment that he had. You know, some people think he had leprosy. Some people think he was blind because he wrote big things later. And he kept asking God to get rid of that, those crosses that we have. Cross, our sin is not a cross. A sin is something we need to get rid of out of our life, like I already talked about. But our, our crosses are those things we deny ourselves for, or if we're, we're suffering in something and we're saying, and the best thing to do there, is it, that's why he says, is to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow after me. Again, your cross has to be the same cross that Jesus had. And so Jesus, when he picked up his cross, it was our sins, not his, but the, that is not the point. The point is we follow after him and then he does what he does for us. So let's say you're struggling and you got COVID or you got something else and don't waste a moment of suffering. Never, ever waste suffering. Say, Jesus, 
I offer up my suffering today for this person, someone who's struggling, for my family, for someone who doesn't know God. And now you're uniting yourself with Christ on the cross. But so again, make sure that you don't see sin as part of your cross. Sin is something it needs to get out of your life. We're always going to have some kind of sin, but we're always going against it. Some crosses you're never going to get out of your life, but that's why we embrace them. And when we embrace the cross, it becomes lighter. But then we use that for other people just the way Jesus did. Okay, the next question is going to sound selfish. Okay, but how long should someone spend in confession? I've been told in the past you should go in, confess your sins, receive your penance, and go and pray. There have been many times that I've gone and observed that people spend 15 to 20 minutes, and I get frustrated. Yeah, me too. (laughs) So you should, you know, again, depends how often you go. Like I just heard confessions last night at a parish mission, and uh, some people hadn't been in confession 20, 30 years. And it was a glorious thing, but we still got him in and not fast because we had people we had to go through. But the, the sacrament is just for confession and for forgiveness. Uh, if you need counseling in that, then encourage you to make a, a, uh, an appointment with the priest later for exact counseling in that and to have spiritual direction and that kind of stuff. That would be something that you would do that would help you later. But usually, again, yes, it should just be going in, confessing your sins and going out. Okay, and it got to be more than just a laundry list. I always say it's a relationship with you and God. So you just don't go in and say, yeah, I did this, 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 this. Okay, boom, boom, boom. Now, when I do that, like if I do that, my, my questions when I'm doing a parish mission, uh, I'm going through the questions and it's going boom, 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 so that they deal with their sins and they deal with each one. They make sure they make a good confession because some of them never made a good confession. So we use that then. And then also, but there's times where a person needs to talk about okay, Father, I need to deal with this more. And so a lot of times we'll just say, okay, we'll make an appointment and we can deal with that later, okay? So thank you for those questions. Okay, do, 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 do. What are the words to the communion prayer? I'm not sure which communion prayer you're talking about. Uh, sorry, I mean, the ones, the ones I have for my daily prayer, the uh, surrender of your life to Christ and the thing it's on, it's right on, if you go to, uh, you watch any one of my masses, uh, it's at the bottom, just go to the bottom and it's explicitly written out so you can take it and print it out or whatever, but it's on every single day of my every daily mass if that's the prayer you're looking for. Okay, let's go here. Question, Father Larry Anchor and Hope. You mentioned the importance of a spiritual director. What is the best way to find a good spiritual director? Well, you gotta find a person more than anything else that prays. If a person doesn't pray, uh, and have intimate daily prayer, not just going through the motions of prayer. You don't need them for your director. If you're fine looking for a priest, I always say, watch the way the priest says mass. If the priest, when he holds up the Eucharist, if you know that he knows, you can tell that he knows he's holding God in his hands, well then, that's a good guy to get for a uh, priest or spiritual director. Because if a priest can't discern he's holding God in his hands, he's not going to help you discern God's will very much either. And the spiritual director has to be someone who's going to help you discern God's will. You know, so... That they're going to walk with you. So you should meet with them about once a, uh, once a month for a good spiritual direction. You don't need a priest. You could get a sister, a religious sister, or there's trained lay people that do that too. But they also have to have, to have the mind of the church. So sometimes people say, I'm a spiritual director. Well, the church says this, but I don't buy it. Well, then 
don't go to them. You need someone with the mind of the church, someone who prays, and someone who uh, has the gift of discernment that helps you discern God's will too. Okay, hopefully, again, that helps. Okay. Also, we are doing a novena of St. Joseph. Good job. It's a great novena. And again, next week we're having our, we call it the Triduum of St. Joseph. So next uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, every night we're going to have the vast Mass and Novena. And we're going to have different speakers. The first night we're going to have Father Michael Polnick, who's the vocation director from our diocese. And he's uh, from my parish. He was a, a vocation from our parish. I've been ordained 11 years now. And then a newly ordained is going to speak the next day, who's also was ordained from our parish, uh, uh, Father Joe Patron, great guy. And then the Feast of St. Joseph in the year of St. Joseph, the Novena of St. Joseph will be held by our bishop. And all those will be live streamed. And it's gonna, we're very excited that Bishop Persico is going to be there and do the, uh, the solemnity of uh, St. Joseph. And we're going to have a great celebration on that day. So I encourage you to be able to do that. Again, every Wednesday, you can get a plenary indulgence for doing something for St. Joseph. That's why every Wednesday night at 7 p.m., we uh, live stream our novena, Mass Novena to St. Joseph. And just by watching it, if you do all the things you need to do, you know, confession and communion, then you can also sit there and get a plenary indulgence. You can get a, which is full remission of all confessed sin. You can use that for yourself or you can use that for someone who has died. Uh, you can't give that to someone who's alive, but you could pass it on to someone who's died. And that's a great thing. Okay, so let's go back to here. I have a question about fasting, please. You mentioned today an anchor to hope that if you love a person, you should fast in bread and water for them. I am open to that. Okay, and it's not doesn't have to just be bread and water. It could also be like uh, like my last meal this morning was 9.30 this morning, and I won't eat again till tomorrow. So you can eat one meal and then uh, fast uh, the, till the next day. You can do a 20-hour fast and just uh, eat for 20, uh, fast for 20 hours and eat for four hours and then go back into it. You can do a no in-between meals fast. If you're gonna do a bread and water fast, which is the traditional fast in the church, you need to get more than just, the ideal thing is if you made your own bread and you used the nutrients, it has to have the nutrients in it. So buying the bread with the refined flour and everything else you could buy at the store would not be a good bread to do fasting on bread and water. You need to have real, real bread. So if you went to a, uh, you know, a, a bakery and that, and you got some real bread with whole grains and everything in it, that would be the best thing because then uh, you're not going to always be hungry because what you're doing, the reason we fast is so God can shine his light through us more, but it's also we can empty ourselves so God can fill us with himself. So if you're doing something that makes you focused on yourself, so you're always hungry all day, then all you're doing is thinking about, I can't wait to eat, I can't wait to eat, I can't wait to eat, and you're not thinking about God, then that becomes an issue. So you don't want to do anything that's going to have you focus on yourself. You want to do everything that's going to have you focus on others. Okay? So that's what you, that would be the best thing to do for that kind of fast. Okay. Why doesn't a politician who by voting endorsing all abortion, why doesn't a politician who by voting endorsing all abortion goes scot-free? Gene, nobody goes scot-free. God is the judge of the living and the dead. And God brings his own punishment on people. You mightn't see it, 
But you, you know, sometimes we think people get away with things. Do you really think people get away with things? Now they do if you could say if they repent, you know, think about the good thief. The first one we know that went to heaven next to Jesus Christ wasn't the blessed mother. It was the good thief. And he said, today you will be with me in paradise. So at the moment of his death, right before he died, he stole heaven. I got to go to heaven. And that's what grace does. But if a person persists in sin, They'll pay for that for eternity. And so sometimes we just sit there and think people are getting away with things scot-free. When you do that, you're not trusting God. God is the judge, not you, not me. And God will make sure his justice is done. You might not see it, but I promise you it's going to happen. That is why we all die, because God said in the beginning, if you sin, you shall die. We sinned and we all die. We ask the justice of God is fulfilled. So don't sit there and be all angry and crazy about all these people get away with all this stuff. Nobody gets away with anything. God is the judge and he will take care of those things. So don't chihuahua. It's like my uh, grandfather used to say to me all the time. Don't chihuahua. Okay. So I'm curious about... uh, your congregation, charismatic topics in general. There really isn't much on the website. Okay. Okay, what about the slain in the spirit? What about the charismatics? Charismatic movement was really a real big movement at one time. The charismatic is about using the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, the early church was charismatic, meaning that they didn't do anything that the Holy Spirit came upon them. I think you can't do anything without the Holy Spirit. Now, with the charisms, they have, you know, the gift of prophecy and speaking in tongues and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, but those things, the greatest of gifts is the love, is what, you know, pray for all these things. After he talks about all these gifts, he says, but pray for the greatest of gifts, which is the gift of love, which is also a charismatic gift, but not just the theological virtues. But the charismatic gifts, like I've been involved in the charismatics for a long time. I was baptized in the spirit when I was 17 years old. No, no, I'm sorry, about 19 years, excuse me, 19 or 20 years old when I was in college seminary. And they invited me to this uh, life in the spirit. I'll never forget the, the, who's a priest now. He says, Larry, they're having a life in the spirit where you learn about how to grow in the spirit and surrender your life to the spirit of the living God. And he said, you want to go? And I said, oh, no, thank you. Um, that's not my prayer style. You know, because I do a whole year and I've, I've done it for all these years. And he goes, oh, I thought you were going to get ordained for all the people of God, not just your prayer style. <laughs> Miserable human being. So I said, okay, I'll go. So I went and I was so impressed. What most impressed me is here is lay people that were taking holiness seriously, that they knew they had to be holy. And that was very attractive to me because I always thought, you know, a lot of people just go through the motions of going to church on Sunday. They're trying to do the least amount they can do so they can go to heaven. You know, what is the least amount I can do instead of taking holiness, daily prayer life and living by the power of the Holy Spirit every day? And so I was there and I got baptized and the baptizing the Spirit is a release of the Holy Spirit. It's when the earliest... Uh, Uh, things in the church was they would lay hands on people and and they would give the Holy Spirit in a powerful way. Now, it's a release of the Spirit you were given at baptism, a release of the Spirit you're giving a confirmation. And so what the charismatics would do is they pray in... 
in more energetic ways. Now, some people are very judgmental about that. Well, again, it's in the scriptures. What do you want? You want to judge the scriptures? You go ahead. But I have, I've speak in tongues and I have prayed in tongues. And of course, there's three different kinds of tongues though. There's a tongue of praise, which you would have when you're just praying. And then uh, you can look at all this stuff up. And there's a t- prayer, a uh, tongue of prophecy that does it when a charismatic uh, prayer, prayer group goes and someone has a tongue. And then there's an interpretation of that tongue there. And there's the thing of evangelization of uh, tongue. And that is like when the apostles start speaking after the Pentecost and everybody start hearing them in their own language. So again, don't ever limit the spirit of the living God. Surrender and let the spirit of living God take control of you. Because when the spirit of living God has control of you, then God has full control. So never again limit God and say, this is the way and only the way God works. God is bigger than you. He's bigger than me. And you got to let him be. And you got to let him take control. Again, as I talked about when I prayed today, people always ask me when I'm doing a mission or anything, Father, where do you get your energy? Because I have some energy. But where's it come from? And I always say, the spirit of the living God sets me on fire and people come to watch me burn. Because every time before I speak, I ask the Holy Spirit to set me on fire, ask the Holy Spirit to take control of my life, to speak through me. This morning when I got up, And I went before Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. I said, speak through me today, Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And he does. If you ask him, he will not say no. Remember again, Jesus talked about how much more will your heavenly father give you the spirit who asks for him. So ask for the Holy Spirit. That's why I have people and I do missions like tonight when I'll finish my mission, which has only been 78 people, 74 people and 70 people. But anyway, we have and we have hundreds of these cards that we give out that have uh, on the back the Cardinal Mercier's prayer of surrender to the Holy Spirit. And I tell them, you pray this prayer every day of your life and you watch what God will do. Okay, so hopefully that's a, a primer of any way to get you started here. Okay, why doesn't a politician who by voting endorsing abortion goes, okay, we did that with that one. Okay, hey, Father, what's the Christian view on marijuana since it's recently legalized in New Jersey? Just curious. Well, again, all things, if you get high or drunk on purpose, it's always sinful. And it's uh, it's sinful to take marijuana now because it's against the law in most places. But once it became legal, then there wouldn't be, now again, I have seen theologians that say it's still completely wrong. I don't agree with all the theologians. If you know, I have never done pot in my whole life because my father told me uh, if he ever caught me uh, smoking pot or anything like that, he'd kill me. And I still think he'd come from the grave and kill me. But anyway, but I think if it's a legal thing and you're not doing it to get high, like let's say you're doing it for cancer, you're doing it because you have anxiety and you're settling stuff down, then it would not be sinful. Now, again, I could be proven wrong and you can go show me stuff because people love to do that to say, Father, the catechism says and, da, 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 and you're wrong. Do you feel better about yourself that you proved me wrong? That's OK. But my thing is, uh, if we have to obey the law and if the law says we can't do something, we can't do something. But if it opens that up and it's not doing it to get high on purpose, then you could do things like anything else. Everything in moderation is usually one of the things the church has always taught, all things in moderation. Okay. So, da-da-da, 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 da-da-da. 
I picked up not everything here. Okay, I have a question for Anchor and Hope. I recently have been doing going to meetings for the consecration of St. Joseph, my local parish, and we did a reading on Joseph being the most chaste. In the reading, it gives an argument about Mary and Joseph continuing a vow of celibacy to each other throughout their lives. But in Matthew, it says, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to his son. Yes. The tradition holds, and again, you got to look, when you look at Scripture and it's ambiguous, when, like, there were people who were virgins and consecrated to Christ, uh, to God for life. And so they feel that Mary was one of those people. And that it explicitly says that, you know, they did not have sex. He, she did not know man, of course, before Christ was born. But then after, tradition has always held that she was ever virgin. Now, why? Because scripture is kind of, uh, you can look at it different ways, and I don't know all the Greek to go into that, because there, you know, as I've read this throughout the years, people talk about it's already in the Greek uh, that she would be a perpetual virgin. I can't tell you that right now. But the church fathers, who, the church fathers are the ones who knew the apostles, who knew Jesus, who knew Mary. And so they always said she was ever virgin. And that's primarily where we get that she was a virgin. And that's why so often you see pictures of St. Joseph. He's an old man. And he has the this thing of virginity with the flower. And they think that he was already married before. And that's where the brothers and sisters of Jesus come from. We don't know. It's conjecture. The best thing I can tell you is to take that exact question and go to catholic.com. You know, Catholic answers go into all the details about this because you have Tim Staples and that. He's a pagan, but he knows a heck of a lot more than me. He can give you the catechism, uh, you know, exact paragraph, and he can do it. And we speak together. I mean, I love him. He's a good, good man, so I have to pick on him. But they have all this stuff already answered out in greater detail, so I'd encourage you to go to them, and they will be able to help you out in greater detail. Okay, I hope that helps. Okay, so let's go to another one on here. Forgiveness of others. I'm trying to forgive someone close to me who was abusive to me. Forgiveness doesn't mean continuing relationship, correct? Absolutely correct. You do not continue to let someone hurt you or abuse you in any way, shape, or form. That's never what we're talking about. Forgiveness is an act of the will, meaning that, Lord, I forgive them and I ask you to forgive them. And then moving on, feelings don't have anything to do with anything, right? But let's say it's someone in your family and you can't just cut them out of your life. You can still be strong and not let them there and not let them abuse you anymore. You know, again, forgiveness is an act of the will. It's not a feeling. And again, as someone who's been abused and someone who knows this from experience, the same reality is that I years ago had to say, I forgive you and I ask Jesus to forgive you, but I'm in no way in relationship with that person. They're still alive in their 90s, but again, that doesn't mean I continue to enter in relationship with them, but it does mean I still pray for them. I ask God's mercy on them. I want them to be redeemed. I want them to see the face of God one day. Why? Because I want the same thing for me. And when God, when I say the Lord's Prayer today, and he says, and when I say to him, forgive us as I forgive, then I want to make sure that I'm not holding anything against anybody, period because that's the way I want God to treat me, okay? And so hopefully it's the same way with all of us. Okay, I have recently been, okay, that's the whole thing. We just did that, just did that. I just signed that. Okay, those are the questions I have there. If there's other ones, I'll do it and I'll do that later. Okay. 
Uh, does the tabernacle have to be lit with candles? If yes, you can use enclosed candles for safety because the altar is historic and made of wood. Uh, you always have to have some kind of light there, and that's why you need to have one candle always. Now, we have two candles next to our tabernacle, and we have them out far enough that uh, uh, they won't catch on fire. That's the whole point. But yes, you need uh, during Mass, you should have two candles next to the tabernacle to show Christ is present there, especially if you're going back and forth to the tabernacle. If, you're, if it's in another room, you don't have to do that, but if it's in the place of the Mass, traditionally it has to be done. Okay, Justin's video on courage, good. Well, I'm glad that helped. It's uh, when Justin asked me to do things, he Father, come on, Father, would you do this for me? And I'm always, okay, anything for you, Justin. So I'm glad. Okay, during the penitential act, we pray that through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault, so if we do daily mass, how am I committing grievous fault daily and why grievous? Well, grievous, it's just a way of saying my sins are, are you know, they're even venial sin is grievous because I'm hurting someone who I love. See, some people always go through, well, again, I, I commit venial sins, but at least I'm not committing mortal sins. Well, for you, but we still hurt our relationship with God. Again, when I was taught, when I was a kid, uh, venial hurts our relationship with God, venial sins hurts our relationship with God, and mortal sins kills our relationship with God. So it's going up and slapping God, if you will. Again, you can't hurt God. God is beyond us. But it's like slapping God for the venial sin. So it's still grievous that here I am sinning against God. Our venial sins are taken care of at the beginning of every Mass if we truly repent of our sin. When the priest says, may Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins and bring us to everlasting life, it is an absolution of venial sins. So, but again, we should always make the act of humility that all my sins, sin is very grievous against God. I'm hurting someone who loves me, and I shouldn't be sinning, period. And so when I am aware of my sin, I call it what it is. It's hurting someone who cares about me. So hopefully uh, that answers your question. Okay. Why can I be excommunicated if I assist a support, assist a, uh, when the politicians assist support vote they don't seem to be excommunicated. They are excommunicated if they um, uh, if they're supporting that, you know, and doing that if they're directly involved. And again, the way they the way they do this, and they had a Jesuit that told them it's okay. This has been the problem that the Jesuit's now dead. But the reality was that you can be personally against something, uh, but you can't force that morality on other people. And so that's the, the, the reason why these people say, like Biden says, he's personally, and, and Pope Benedict just exactly said this about Biden. He says he's personally against abortion, but he doesn't see how we can push that morality on everybody else. But we, we push morality on everybody. We put a law out that you can't murder people. So that's pushing our morality on other people. And if you do murder somebody, there's a consequence for that. But when it comes to abortion, we say, well, you know, it's inside of another person, so you can't make a person do that. Now, the theology is, of course, you can. But in their mind, again, these people really, really, really have prayed about this, and they really think that they're doing God's will. I completely disagree with them, and anyone who's anybody would tell him that. But again, 
we have to watch because sometimes we want Christendom. And Christendom is uh, all the country should be under Christ. And it's all the way it should be. Well, that would make us like the Muslims wanting Sharia law. You know, now for Muslims, that would be very good for Islam. But if you're a Christian in, in a, under a Muslim country, then you'd be persecuted because it's part of the law. Now, do you want people to, and again, some people say, yes, I want people to be persecuted if they're not Christians here. Well, that's just not the way God is. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. We in the church have been trying at different times of history to try to make his kingdom of this world. And that's where we have killed people in the name of God because they were heretics. Now, again, for us to kill people in the name of God for heresy is evil, period, even when the church did it. And that's why Pope John Paul II got up and he said, I was there when he did it. We are sorry and we repent for the way we have treated people. It's not of God. But when we become so close that it's our law or no law, you have to do as we say or we will kill you, that is wrong. And so what we're putting other people down for, we killed people. Are you kidding me? We killed people in, in God's name because they didn't agree with us. So we got to watch. We got to do everything in our power to stop babies from being killed. And that means we go and we protest. I started perpetual adoration primarily to stop the abortion clinic and close it. And we did. There's not one abortion in the whole diocese of Erie. Period. Because we prayed it closed. And we got to keep doing that. But that's because I prayed it closed. I didn't go down there and tell all these people they're going to hell and you're all going to hell. Prayer is more powerful than that. And that's what we got to be focused on. It's the worst sin in this country and in the world by far. How do we stop people from killing babies? We change their hearts. And guess what? You can't change someone's heart and I can't change someone's heart. Only God can change someone's heart. That's why it's so important that we pray and we fast to end abortion. And we talk to people and we listen to people and we change. We allow God to use us to change their hearts. That's the only way it's going to happen. But I do everything in my power. We must stop abortion in this country and in the world. But how are we going to do it? What's going to work? And I just think the way the Lord has been dealing with me, we got to just keep going deeper in prayer and fasting and uh, protesting. And God is going to perform some miracles here. And then when these things happen, we will know it was God who brought the end of abortion and not us. Because we can be so proud. I'll do it. No, you won't. God will do it. And he'll do it by you fasting and praying and by me fasting and praying. A mighty miracle is going to happen when we stop thinking it's up to us. It's up to God using us. And our greatest weapons are prayer and fasting. I promise you that's the case. We closed an abortion clinic because of prayer and fasting. That's what works. Okay? So, okay here. Let's go on. You ask for feedback. Okay, we'll get to that later. Sound is fine. Sounds good. Oh, hey, where'd you get the Got Mary shirt from? This is very good. See, it says Got Mary. And on the back here, I have to watch. I don't mess up everything. It says, she got your back. So you can put Got Mary. It's uh, 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 Chris Redingler down in... Um, 
down in San Diego, they have this, uh, they have a lot. They got Got Mercy, Got Mary. They have all kinds of stuff. And I love these things. And I wear them all the time because you're, you're giving witness. Well, that, this is giving witness, but this is giving witness too, even if I'm not in my clerics. People tell me all the time, they'll stop me. I love your sweatshirt. Where'd you get that? I love that. She got your back, you know, and Our Lady of Guadalupe in the back. It's a great thing. So just Google it and you'll be able to find it. Okay. Okay, recently heard if you want to your spiritual life to grow, you should go to confession once every eight weeks. Don't buy it. You aren't going to regular spiritual life and remain stagnant. What are your thoughts? I do not believe going to confession once a week for eight weeks will do it. What it'll do is it'll keep you focused on yourself and your sinfulness. What you do need to do is repent every single day. And so before you go to bed at night, you need to walk through your day with God and say, Lord, I repent of this. So we need to confess our sins every day before the Lord, and we have to repent of them, which is a different reality. What happens is sometimes people go to confession every week, and they'll sit there, and it's just so focused on themselves that they're forgetting the mercy of God. So I always tell people once a month is uh, plenty for that. And if you're, and I've been doing this a long time and people say, no, 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 I want to go. Okay, well then go and do it. And now if you have a spiritual director and your spiritual director tells you to do that, go at the priest I live with. He tells people to go to confession every week. And I say, I don't agree with him. If you want to go to confession every week now, unless you commit mortal sin, if you commit mortal sin, you should go to confession immediately right? As soon as you can. You don't want to stay in mortal sin. You want to repent of that immediately and then go to confession as soon as you can. But as long as you have a repentant heart, like you, you commit a mortal sin, you say, God, I'm so sorry. I'll never do that again. Now you already have a repentant heart, but you have to go to confess that. Uh, so you don't want to hold all that time off between those things. But venial sins, if you're going to daily mass, your venial sins again are forgiven every day. Now that's what I have taught for many years. Some people completely uh, disregard that and I but I'm telling you, I've, the one, what, what makes people grow most is when they love most. But again, when persons constantly focus on their own sinfulness, even again, what you confess. Again, I've been hearing confessions for almost 32 years now. 99.9% unless they've heard me give a talk on confession. All the sins they confess are sins of not um, Commission, not sins of, uh, and you know, you have to have a sin of commission or what's the other thing? There's no one here to tell me. So Jack used to be able to tell me those things. Omission, there you go, a sin of omission. But again, according to Jesus Christ, what are the sins that damn you to hell forever? The only time Jesus explicitly talks about who goes to heaven and who goes to hell was in Matthew 25. And what does he say? Come, you who are blessed by my father. When the guy, when he comes to judge, come, you who are blessed by my father. Enter the kingdom. Why? Because I was hungry and he gave me to eat. I was thirsty and he gave me to drink. And then he says, hopefully none of us ever hear this. But again, this is Jesus who's going to judge us at the end. And he's giving us the, the, uh, the, the answers to the final exam. He says, get out of my sight, you condemned. Why? Because I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. When, Jesus, do we see you? And he says, whatever you failed to do, the least of my brothers and sisters have failed to do to me. And then it says the just will go to eternal life. Those who fed the poor and took care of the poor, the unjust will go to eternal damnation. 
So that's how we even know about eternity being damned is for people who don't take care of the poor. Now, again, when you talk about this stuff, oh, you're a social justice person. No, I'm trying to get you from being damned forever. That's what I'm trying to do. Jesus is giving you the final questions to the final exam. So you can go to daily mass every day, say a rosary every day, go to divine mercy chaplet. If you're not taking the poor, you can be damned. Because Jesus said this. People don't want to hear that. Just make me Holy Father. I'll go to confession. I'll go and I'll go to daily mass. But I don't want to take care of the poor. They deserve to be poor. They need to go get a job. Well, there's 15,000 children that die every day in the world because of starvation. And when you stand before God on judgment, he'll say, how come 15,000 people died every day? Children died because they died of starvation. What are you going to say? They weren't my kids. They'll go, nope, they were mine. And I blessed you abundantly so you could take care of them. And you only took care of yourself. And you were only concerned about you and your money and what you do with your money. But guess what? It was never your money. It was my money. I gave you the ability to work. I gave you the intelligence to work. I gave you the health to work. And you used it only on yourself. You need to take care of a brother or sister. Now that drives people nuts. But it's what you need to do to go to heaven. That's what Jesus said. Not what Father Larry says or Pope Francis says, what Jesus Christ himself says. Look it up yourself, Matthew 25. The only time Jesus explicitly says who's going to heaven and who's going to hell and why. So when you go to confession, you better make sure you confess the sins of omission, how you have failed to take care of the poor, how you have failed to love others, because that can drag you to hell faster than your sins of commission, according to Jesus. Don't you hate my guts and pray for my death every day? I know some of you do. It's just part of it. But again, no, I, I can only tell you what Jesus says. I'm not making it up. I'm speaking the truth, and I'm hopefully speaking this truth in great love that we want everyone to be saved. Everybody get to heaven. But we have to listen to what Jesus says, not what our politicians say, not what people who agree with us say. What does Jesus say? Okay? So we got to end this up. Again, I'm just thanking you, please. I'm just very grateful that you came and uh, could be with me again. Again, email me any kind of questions, uh, any kind of suggestions that you have, like if, what kind of speakers you want me to get. And again, don't email me speakers that are uh, going to bring controversy. I'm over all that stuff. I want people who are going to bring hope to others. Hopefully, even here when I'm challenging us, it's because of hope. It's because I want everybody to live together, for live forever. And if I want that, how much more does the God of the universe want that? God wants us all to live forever with him. And we do that best when we learn to be like him. And who is God? God is love. We must become the incarnation of love if we're going to enter into the place of love forever. You got it? You get it? Are you going to live it? You better. May each of you know his love today 
and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you. He who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for watching. God bless you.